We are continuing today in our series in Proverbs. Uh, we began several weeks ago. We're working through Proverbs. Uh, we're landing in Proverbs chapter 6 this week. Um, Proverbs, as you know, is the book of wisdom from the Old Testament and is filled with practical ways of, of living a righteous and a God-honoring life. <clears throat> and in this series, we've seen that, that Solomon has, uh, has been pleading with his son to, to make the right choices, to do the right things, uh, to, to weigh every decision. Is it a good decision? Is it a, a God-honoring decision? Or is it a foolish decision? Is this going to take me down the right path or wrong path? Is this a way of goodness or evil? And so we've seen throughout the first five chapters uh, different illustrations, different topics that he's brought up uh, to warn his son about and ultimately to, to warn us about so that we can live a God-honoring and a righteous life. And today again, we, as I said, we land in Proverbs chapter 6 and <clears throat> we're going to find sandwiched between Solomon's instructions against folly in verses 1 through 11 and adultery in uh, verses 20 through 35, we see sandwiched in there the warning against wicked living. We see that running from, from chapter, uh, verse 12 through 15, and then it picks up in verse 16 through 19, the seven sins that are detestable to God. And so this morning, we want to unpack those. And uh, someone said this morning, so they, they, they read the front of the bulletin and said, this looks like a politician. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it looks like a politician and churchgoers and unbelievers. It looks like everybody, doesn't it? Because we're all guilty to some degree of some of these, if not all of them. And so this morning we're going to unpack them and just ask ourselves, what does, how do I live up to each of these? Am I guilty of, of any of these and and where do I need to come down in conviction and repentance where do I need to show repentance in my life and so Solomon exposes the dangers of of a wicked heart in verses 12 through 15 read along with me if you will he says a troublemaker and a villain who goes about with corrupt mouth who winks maliciously with his eye signals with his feet and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart. He always stirs up conflict. Therefore, disaster will overtake him in an instant, and he will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Romans 3.23 reminds us that we're all guilty of, we're all sinful people and fall short of the glory of God. And so it's important that we examine our hearts and our motives and the way we carry our life in light of God's Word and guarding against the evil temptations that come our way. Notice in that passage in verses 12 through 15 the characteristics of a wicked heart. There's deceitful speech. There are wicked actions. Stirring up conflict and discord among people. There's a heart full of evil and deceit and malice. And so then we see the consequences of a wicked heart. In verse 15, it says that God hates a heart that devises evil. 
destruction, it says destruction and ruin comes from a wicked heart. Our wicked heart, the, the, the decisions that we made to, to follow our ways or the ways of the world leads to destruction and death. But God's way leads to truth and life and, and, and eternal life. And the writer in Proverbs, we see in, in verse 16, uh, begins to lay out the seven deadly sins that's been called, the, the sins that God hates. You know, we often think about God and, and people talking about, oh, God is a God of love. God doesn't hate anything. It's not true, is it? <laughs> well, first of all, we see that right here. God hates these things above everything else. That God is a God that hates evil, that hates sin. Yes, He loves everybody, but He hates the sin in the world. And these seven here are, are disgusting to God. These turn His stomach inside out. They don't just irritate God. They just don't get under His skin. They are detestable to God. Listen to the seven things that God hates. It says in verse 16, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stores or stirs up conflict within the community amongst the brethren. Or the church. Those are the things that makes God nauseous. And so let's unpack them and, and ask ourselves, are we guilty of any of this? And if we are, how do we respond to God in this moment when He convicts our heart of what's going on in our life? It starts out in the eyes, and we're going to see how, how Solomon kind of works from top to bottom, okay? And he gets all different parts of our body. He begins with the eyes, and he said, the haughty eyes are a proud look. The actual word for, for haughty is, it literally means eyes of loftiness or pridefulness. Looking down on somebody. We've all seen those people. We all probably know people who have that, that attitude, don't we? And, and, and I find it interesting that he mentions pride first in this list. The haughty eyes first. Maybe because it was the first sin committed by Satan in his rebellion against God. He was prideful. He wanted to be better than God. He wanted to take God's place. He wanted to, to knock God off the throne. And then what was the next example of that? We find it in Adam. The, only, the first person born, the first person given to life in his pridefulness rebels against God. It's an action that we, that we take and it's that prideful down looking upon other people. And, and James chapter 4, verse 6 says that God resists the proud. God pushes back against the proud. God holds him at an arm's length. 
the Bible declares in Psalm 101, verse 5, it says, whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, God will not tolerate. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 4, it says, haughty eyes, a proud heart, and evil actions are all sin. Haughty eyes, a proud heart, and all of that goes along with the evil actions that we take. All of that is sin. And so let me ask this morning, how can you tell if you struggle with sin or with uh, pride? How can we determine if we struggle with pride? Well, number one, we, do, do we find faults with other people? Find nothing but mostly faults of other people. Their shortcomings, their, their, their difficulties. Do we look down on them? Do we, do we complain about what they do or or don't do? Or do you have an unkind spirit? Speaking of others in, in dislike and annoyance or, or aggravation. I'm better than them. Now look what they're doing. They need to they can do better now. They need to do better. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we need to ask somebody in our life, is that me? Because oftentimes in our pridefulness, we can't see it in ourselves, can we? But the opposite of pridefulness, the opposite of pride is, is humility. And Thomas Merton said, pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. When you meet a humble person, you meet the real person for who they are. A prideful person is putting on a facade. They're, they're putting on makeup, okay? They're to, to, to put a face on for who you want them, they want you to think you are. But humility lets us see us the real person. And so Solomon he talks with the talks about the eyes, and then he moves to the mouth, talking about a lying tongue. Oh, the destructive power of, of lies and deceit. We've all been victim, haven't we, of people that's told lies about us, haven't we? There's probably not anybody in here that's never been told a lie about, and if truth be told, probably everybody in here is told a lie about somebody else. But that's the destruction that comes with, with lying lips. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips. But he delights in people who are trustworthy. Now, I, I would say that, that you can be trustworthy with some people and a total liar with other people. You may, you, you, you may be as trustworthy as you can with your spouse, but then you're, you're going out and, and not trustworthy with people in your circle, maybe people in your, in your work or your school or wherever it might be. But if you're a liar at heart, the truth is not in you. And the ability to be trusted is very difficult. It's interesting that, that the words like, like mouth and lips and, and tongue, they're mentioned over 150 times in, in the book of Proverbs. Again, because of the, the, the destruction that can come when we use our mouth, when we use the words, when, when, when the, 
the evil in our hearts pass over our lips and bring harm to other people. We do that by dishonest talk, by exaggerated praise and compliments, by rumors and insults, by, by gossip and inflating stories, by angry words, un, unrighteous anger, stubbornness that provokes arguments and, and dysfunction, boasting when we think we're better than we really are, telling foul jokes or unwholesome talk or tasteless humor, or yes, maybe even just talking too much. For the one that has to give a comment on everything without listening. There's an old saying that, that goes, I never learned anything while I was talking. And neither do you. There's an illustration I've used before. That you can't put toothpaste back in a tube. Once it crosses your lips, once those words come out of your mouth, the damage is done. The hurt is, is done. The, the wound has been created. And, and there's no way to take it out, to take it back. A lot of times the, the, the gossip that goes on is gossip of untruth and, and causes difficulty with other people. And throughout the Bible, God reserves the harshest words for gossipers and, and condemns the habit of spreading gossip. How many of you ever ever spread any gossip? Come on, y'all can tell the truth. Because we all have, haven't we? Intentionally or unintentionally, haven't we? Oh, did, did, did you hear what so-and-so said? You, you hear about that? Meet me after church and I'll tell you. Okay. And see, and that's how it starts, isn't it? And, and it begins to snowball and and people are affected. And lives are, are damaged and, and sometimes they can't be repaired. But the Bible says the one who speaks truth is lifted up. Praise God. From the eyes to the mouth and now to the hands. He said hands that shed innocent blood. There are an average of, and this is a couple of years old, but there's an average of 45 murders per day in the United States. And that's not including uh, suicide or, or abortion. That's a, that's a big number, isn't it? But as Christians, we've got to love life and be an advocate of life and, and obey God's Word because that is the ultimate authority. And we've got to promote a culture of, of peace and respect, not only amongst the believers and amongst our family and co-workers, but in our culture throughout human life. Because you see, death is twofold. It's twofold. There's, it's physical in that it separates the soul from the body. And that it's spiritual in that it separates the soul from God. And both are the result of sin without Christ. You see, if you don't have Christ, your soul is separated forever from God. The eyes and the mouth and the hands and then he moves to the heart. The heart that devises wicked schemes. Our, our hearts are filled with evil intentions and deceit. 
You might think, well, mine's not. Mine's not that bad. But, but that's what God, God says that, not Pastor Russ. In Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and there is no cure. Who can understand it? In Proverbs 15.26, The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in His sight. We talked about the heart a few weeks ago and it being the most important organ in the body that when it stops, you're down, <laughs> right? You die. And so it's an important, uh, we, we find Scripture tells us th throughout Scripture to guard our hearts against the evil and the temptations of the world. And so we've got to pay close attention to things that are coming our way, to the things that we're exposed to. I ran across a couple of questions this week in regard to that. It says, is my heart beating against God? Is my heart beating against God in that is my mind and life working against God in totality or, or partially? And if it is, we can't reflect the heart of God in our life. But then the second question is, is my heart beating for God? And so who or what influences our decisions and, and guides our, our steps each and every day? Are we working for kingdom purposes? If so, we're, we're trusting God and, and following His wisdom and direction for our life. We've got to guard our heart. Then He moves to the, to the feet. Feet that are, that are quick to rush to evil. It's a danger of following those sinful desires. We've, we've seen that throughout the first three or so chapters of Proverbs where, where Solomon instructs his son, don't get on the path. Be careful the way you go. Watch the steps that you take. And here he's, he's bringing it up again. Watch out for the desires and the temptations of the world. And James in the New Testament reinforces that in, in James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. He says, But each person is tempted when they're dragged away from their own evil desires and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, we're to pursue goodness instead of wickedness and evilness. We're to run towards the things that, that God desires. For the man who, who seeks the Lord knows that he'll be forgiven and, and purified of all unrighteousness. And, and, and Paul and Isaiah both tell us to, to preach the Word. And he goes on to say, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Are we taking the good news with us? When our feet hit the road every morning. Are we ready to share the good news of the gospel with those around us? You see, it's our responsibility to, 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 to find God at work and to pursue Him and join Him at work and allow the goodness to be worked through us. And the sixth thing God hates is an attitude. Of a, of a false witness, one who, who pours out lies. We all probably know this person too, don't we? The, the one that just can't seem to ever tell the truth. Always the one that wants to exaggerate things just a little bit. The one with the, 
the lying mouth, they spread untruths about other people and they, they tear them down. And Remember, folks, that Satan is the father of lies. And when we lie, when, when we're carrying that out, we're carrying out the work of Satan in our life. We bring destruction to ourselves. We, we lose the trust of other people. Our reputation is destroyed. And we hinder God's work in our life. Speak words of truth, even when it hurts. Even when it's hard, speak the words of truth. An abomination is something that causes disgust or, or hatred. And that's what uh, the last one, it talks about our, our actions. God calls it an abomination. The one who stirs up conflict among, among brothers, among brethren, among the community within the church. You see, the, the seventh sin here, the, the sin of Division is, is totally detestable to God. Again, it just makes Him sick. And so as we, we, we go down the list here, we've seen that, that we've seen the, the pride in the eyes and the, the infected tongue that, that spills and spews lies and deception and, and the, the, the hands that treat other people badly, the hearts that invent new ways to do evil. How many times have you ever said, how could anybody ever think of being that bad? How could anybody think of doing something so horrendous? And it seems like, you know, as society goes on, it just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? We breathe out more lies because the truth isn't in us. And then the ultimate characteristic of, of sin, which is overly repulsive to God, makes us a person who stirs up dissension among brothers among the church. And so let me ask you this morning, are you stirring up dissension with the bride of Christ? The bottom line is the one who, who stirs dissension is a troublemaker. But God's people are supposed to be people of, of peace and forgiveness, but there are people in every church that cause trouble and difficulty. And so let me ask, what are the, what are the purposes or what are the benefits of that? It's not glorifying God. What good does it do to, to tear someone down or to tear something down? What's the point of degrading your church or its efforts or, or offer negative thoughts in a destructive manner? Why do these people want to drag other people down with them and, and become the, a cancer in the church? What good does it do to comply, complain and gripe without trying to help and bring a solution. It only brings division and disunity. And folks, that is the work of Satan. It just doesn't make any sense why, why some people want to make other people miserable. And why they enjoy living in misery themselves. Well, it does make sense because it's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. It's... David Gordon used to say, you know, when, when I'd bring a, a, an issue to him, he'd say, well, that's between them and God. And I've learned to live with that. That's between them and God. And some people are saying that about me. That's between him and God. A 
but it all goes back to pride. That first issue that, that, that we talked about, <clears throat> pride is the cause of, of discord. As someone once said, pride is, listen to this, pride is the only disease where the man that makes everyone sick except him, the one who has it. Hear it again. Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. How true it is. You remember when you were little and the, the school teachers in the, in the room today and online will, will, will know the tattletellers, the ones that love to tattle, okay? Every school has them, don't they? You know, every, every, when, when you get a group of Greek kids, you're going to have them together. We were at Caroline's last night, and sure enough, I had a six grandkids. One of them's got to come tell on somebody, you know, and sure enough, they did, you know. But think about that. Are they truly interested in justice, or are they just interested in, 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 in getting their way? As children, it's done for selfish purposes, and oftentimes in order to get their way. And as adults, those who pro provoke dissension are also acting in a way of dissension. Folks, Jesus, Jesus knew that, that this dissension in the church and trouble, there would be troublemakers in every church. Jesus knew that, that there were going to be difficult people in every church. And, and he knew that, that there were going to be people that tried to divide the church and bring issues in the church. And so what did he do about it? 2,000 years ago. How, how can he handle that 2,000 years ago? In John 17, 21, it tells us that, that Jesus was so concerned about it that he prayed for unity. He prayed for unity in the church. Because he knew there was going to be issues down the road. There were issues then already. And then he sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit seeks to produce unity as well in the body of Christ. And Jesus made it clear in Matthew 12, 30 that we're either contributing to unity or disunity. He said, He who does not gather with me scatters. You're either one bringing us together or one pushing us apart. In other words, you're a promoter of unity or a promoter of dissension. Again, godly people sow seeds of unity and peace, not seeds of, of destruction and division and strife. Simply put, God wants us to glorify Him instead of ourselves, And the only way we can do that is get rid of that pride in our heart and come to Him humbly you see, the secret to godly and righteous living is, is real simple. It's really hard to do, but the idea is really simple, and that is to, to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And then allowing that to play out in your life. Are we doing what God loves in our life? Or are we doing what God hates in our life? What on this list are, are you dealing with? 
You see, the same God that, that hates all this sin that we've talked about is the only God that for, can forgive us of that sin. Amen? Jesus gave His life so that our sins could be forgiven. Not just these sins we've talked about this morning, but any sin in our life. Jesus paid the price for it all. He hung on the cross. He shed His blood to wash away the sin in our life. And God raised Him from the dead to say, look, this is my Son. He is the Son of God. And because He is, He is able to offer forgiveness to anybody that would choose Him. Will you choose Him today? You see, it's the pride that, that keeps us from repentance. It's the pride that squelches the conviction in our heart. And pride is the only thing that will keep you in your seat during the invitation when God is speaking to you. And so will you humble your heart and bow before the Lord and surrender your heart to Him. Surrender the things in your life that you're dealing with to Him. Will you come to Him and ask Him for help? Will you come to Him and show, say, Lord, show me how to get back on the path. How to better follow You. How to better be the person You want me to be. However the Lord has spoken to you today, I pray that, that you would not leave here without making it right with Him. So as we sing our hymn of invitation, you respond as the Lord leads you. Let's pray together. Lord God, we pray this morning, Father, that You would humble our hearts, that You would remove our, our pridefulness. Lord, move us to conviction and repentance for our sins and, and the issues in our life that are separating us from You. God, take down those barriers and obstacles that are they're keeping us from the relationship with You that You desire. Lord, we want to be the one that brings peace and harmony and unity in the fellowship. We want to make You glad, God. We want to bless You today, God. We want to bless You with our life. And so speak to our heart and move in our spirit this morning and, and let our response be pleasing to You this morning. And Father, we do indeed thank You that, that we can come to You because You have paid the price for our sin. And because of that, we can be forgiven. Lord, hear our hearts and hear our prayers. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.